BizQuick podcast hits on the struggles and advantages of being an entrepreneur. It's for anyone who's made the commitment to burn the boats and not look back. Are you a busy entrepreneur or small business owner trying to do it all? Then this podcast is for you. Corey and Julie will take you through the details of building a strong business. Hit the subscribe button and gear up for another episode of BizQuick Podcast. Hello and welcome to BizQuick. I'm Corey. I'm Julie. And on today's show, we've got Lewis Cheney. He is a TEDx alumni, award-winning speaker. He's a photojournalist and director. Uh, he's got a background in television news, entertainment, commercial advertising, all sorts of fun stuff. And he is the owner of the website. Owner of the website? Yeah, sure. Sure. Of GetToTheDamnPoint.com. Um, and we're going to have him on to talk about uh, his business and just uh, meetings in general and uh, improving how you speak i don't know we'll 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 see when he gets on what he wants to talk about but uh before that we want to talk about meetings public speaking all of that fun stuff filler words filler I, words. I feel like almost every corporate america company could benefit from lewis cheney get to the damn point yeah there are i don't know how many meetings i've been in my life where I'm just like, what is the point of this effing meeting? Like, <laughs> first of all, uh, second of all, why couldn't this could have been solved with an email? Mm-hmm. And third, nowadays, like prior prior to the pandemic, working remotely was a very common thing that we did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I was uh, coordinating stuff with warehouses on the West Coast and working with a team in India and all that. And we were able to do it all without having to see each other's other's face. And all of a sudden the pandemic happens and everybody gets Zoom and now everything's a fucking Zoom call. Hey, mm-hmm. let's jump on a quick Zoom. Why? I don't <laughs> need to see your face to talk to you. We're not going to share our screen. We're not going to utilize Zoom other than to talk to each other. This could be done over phone call. Or better yet, email. <laughs> uh, yes. I. Um, it's amazing how many things have become video meetings since the pandemic has occurred. And I think... You know, initially, that was the result of people needing more human contact, right? But now it's like, come on, man, let's play it out. Like, we don't, like, stop. Just stop. And everything is a meeting. And most people don't know how to run an effective meeting. And they don't know how to participate effectively in a meeting, right? There's nothing worse. Like, let's just play a little game here. What's your biggest meeting pet peeve? Oh, God, there are so many of them. I know. Um, probably people who are unprepared for meetings. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I that drives me nuts as well. The one thing I can't stand about a meeting is when the meeting leader, let's say the meeting is an hour long. First off, when they feel like they need to use the entire meeting. Mm-hmm. And second off, when the meeting leader talks for 90 percent of the time just talks at you it's like why am i here like why couldn't you just type this up in an email if all i needed to do was get this message if you didn't want any interaction back and forth why why is everyone here like you're wasting our fucking time yeah i i think that being unprepared is very uh it's closely related to that because you have those you have those meetings where people like you said they 
they just kind of drone on because they're like, well, we've got 60 minutes booked, so let's just, uh, I don't know, let's just see if we can fill it. It's like, if you don't have anything to say, if there's no, you can give that time back. Right, you know, right. I've got well, more important things to do than listen to you drone on and on. Or how about the people, and we both know people like this, and we've worked with people like this, who you have an hour meeting with them, and every time you have the meeting, you know that it's at least 90 minutes because they'll just take as much time as they possibly can. Yeah. Well, it's gotten to the point where we purposely book meetings back to back so yeah. we can say we have a hard stop yes. without lying. Yes. Right. Because there are some people who are awful at it. They're like, oh my God, I don't even want to have this meeting because I know this 60 minute meeting is actually going to be like 90 minutes, maybe even 105 if we don't shut this person up. Sure. So if everybody listening out there, if we always have a hard stop, it might be you. Yeah, just do a little <laughs> reflection there. <laughs> yes. Or it might not be. It might just be, you know. It might be a coincidence. Maybe we're just busy people. We, yes. <laughs> but, but it's probably because <laughs> you always go over. Right. You have to be, you know, We I like to say when we're very close to being out of time, I want to be respectful of your time. We only have, you know, five minutes left or seven minutes left. So what do we make, need to make sure we cover, Right as one, an indicator to the person we're talking to, you're just about out of time. <laughs> but also because they do want to be respectful of everybody's time. And I sort of want people to know that we are very aware of that. And so we're going to be respectful of your time, but we also need you to be respectful of ours. It's a boundary. Yeah. And I just realized something that would make way more sense than I could probably go. But we we had a reel where it was something about, like, reasons why you should start a podcast or something. Yeah. Um, and I just thought, I was like, oh, filler words. I was just awful with filler words until I started doing podcasting. Yeah. I was forced to, like, listen to myself. And you just, oh, man, I sound like a goon. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a retard. Yeah, exactly. I don't think we <laughs> can okay say that. Is it okay to say that? I don't think we're allowed to say oh, that anymore. Okay. Yeah. Are you going to edit that out? <laughs> probably not. <laughs> But yeah, the, the, you start hearing all of the things that you do, and it, it makes you a better public speaker because it really does. you're forced you're forced to listen to yourself. And I'm like, I hate the sound of my voice. Well, get over that. You should listen to what you're saying and how you're saying it. Right. And chances are, if you hate the sound of your voice, so does everyone else. So just, just join the club. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but filler words, and it, what's funny is filler words—they come in so many forms, right? And uh, but. <laughs> and there are a lot of filler words that we start sentences with we me meaning you and i but certainly you know just in general people right um you know for example you're you you are very good with the and that's a really good point right and i think because sometimes it's so hard and i i have some really bad ones too like oh i love that i say that all the time right but i think that um it's sometimes it's hard to figure out what is that natural transition to make so that I want to acknowledge what you said and then move the, move the conversation along in the next direction. And that's the part where like, I'm always trying to figure out like, okay, how do I, how do I acknowledge and advance the conversation? Yeah. You need to have that, uh, try to come up with a natural transition because yeah. it, it, it sounds abrupt. Otherwise you're, yes, so, you, so you finish your what's, answer. What's the word Vanessa said? Uh, jarring. Jarring, yes. That sounds jarring. And filler words, you don't want to eliminate them all because filler words are a natural part of conversation. You just don't want an um or a you know. It would be like eliminating contractions. 
Yes, just unnatural. <laughs> well, we should probably take a break and bring in Lewis and get this fun conversation started. All right, see you on the back half. Hey, everyone. We wanted to take a quick break to tell you all about our friends over at Podmatch. It's like a dating app, but for podcasts. This is a service we use to connect with potential guests for our show, and we connect with other hosts to be a guest on theirs. If you're an aspiring podcaster, have a podcast, or have something you want to share, head on over to podmatch.com slash sign up slash bizquick, or click on the link in the show notes to get started. All right, and welcome back to the show. We've got Lewis Cheney on. Welcome, Lewis. Excuse me. Welcome, Lewis. Let's try that. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it any way I can get it. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. We were laughing um, before we started recording today because, you know, Corey always gets the hard names to pronounce. And finally today he was like, oh, I've got an easy one. And I was like, watch his name be like Louis Cheney or something. (laughs) (laughs) I got it right. It's fairly straightforward and fairly easy. (laughs) Got it right, but I still botched it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, I once had a guy one time I introduced myself. He called me Butch all day. I'm not kidding. I just went with it. Let him call me Butch all day. (laughs) <laughs> it's super awkward right after somebody's like been saying your name wrong for so long that you're like uh hey by the way my name is actually not butch or even worse you don't you don't know their name and then you get to the point where you you can't ask them their name <laughs> yes <laughs> oh yes. yeah yeah that's embarrassing yeah. yeah all right well let's dive into it so we were just talking about uh filler words and some of our pet peeves there. So I know that you've got, uh, you've got feelings on filler words and you've also got feelings on killer words. Absolutely. They are one in the same, man. They really are. People don't realize that fill words are more than just fill words. It's not just a matter of making you look unprofessional, making you look unpolished. It's actually eating up your time. It's killing your time. And that's why I call them killer words because that's your most valuable asset, man. That is not something that's borrowed. That's something that's given and something you can't get back. So why kill it with words that are unnecessary? You know, what's funny is you have on your website, which um, I love your website, uh, get to the right? Yeah. I, you have a video on there of uh, somebody who was on live television and you literally say on the video, I bet you can't make it 37 seconds. Because she had 37 seconds of filler words in a three-minute video, and I did not make it 37 seconds. I was like, I cannot listen to this bullshit. Like, this is too much for me. And I stopped. I stopped. I was like, I don't even know what her actual speech was about because I couldn't get to it. Yeah, I never let you see what her speech is actually about. What I did was I cut that down for that exact purpose to show what it does and what it sounds like. If you cram them all together... This is how bad it actually sounds, guys, when you do this stuff. And I did it to point that out in the show, 37 seconds of three minutes and 11 seconds that she had on air that she killed. And this is a show you had to pay for. So you're talking time literally was money in that instance. And if she'd been talking for half an hour, she'd have wasted six minutes of time. Six minutes is a huge deal. 37 seconds doesn't seem like a lot, but six minutes is a whole lot of time. You guys know this. You you work in the world of media. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. The... the just w- once we started doing podcasting and forcing ourselves to listen to ourselves, picking up on all of the mm-hmm. the filler words and all of the crap that we say to to just make you know, speaking easier, whatever it is. And so that was an easy way for us to to improve our public speak speaking skills. But uh, how would you recommend somebody do it who doesn't have you know the opportunity to be on a podcast or start a podcast? 
You know, it's really kind of odd, but I, I have, it's so funny when I talk to people about this and they know that I look for those words. The first thing they do is they start hearing themselves. Well, uh, Lewis, oh crap, I said it again. Well, Lewis, I, well, and I said it again and they'll catch themselves. And it's the true first step is hearing yourself. Yeah. You don't realize you're doing it till somebody points out you're doing it. And then you start realizing I need to stop it, but it's a real simple process. I'll give it to you as fast as I can. Stop, drop and pause guys. You hear it coming, you know it's coming, stop talking, just hush, drop that word, and then pull a Captain Kirk and pause, because pausing does a couple of things. It allows your audience to catch up to what you're saying, and it allows you to get back on your place where you were going, so you don't have those words in there. It's a simple way to start fixing it. I love that. Uh, Stop, drop, and pause. That's amazing. And by the way, I love that is my filler sentence, right? (laughs) <laughs> so, and I know it, and we talked about it on the intro, and um, it's one of those things where I'm like, I just, oh, it's such an easy connector, though, to bridge from, bridge the conversation. I am curious, how does one become so passionate about this subject, right? I mean, you were very good at it. You're very passionate about it. Your website is super engaging. How, how did, what does this stem from? For me, it stems from working in television, and I've seen a lot of bad interviews, guys. I particularly, and I don't mean to slight them because I'm not trying to, but you have a lot of volunteers who work in the world of charity and nonprofit. And I've seen a lot of people give interviews, and I've seen a lot of professionals give interviews, that mean politicians and other people who simply couldn't speak well. And when you get them to the edit bay, and you guys know this too, it can be a pain to chop them down. And when you start letting your message get cut up in media, then your message gets watered down oftentimes. So it started bothering me there. But then as I got on into the speaking world and I started hearing people doing this more, my wife elbows me now because I'm, I can't listen to somebody who's doing that stuff without creating a tick sheet. I'm sitting here marking down how many times you're saying all these things. And my wife is going, stop it. Would you quit? I'm like, I can't quit. So it became an obsession for me that I'm just trying to make people understand that there's more time to be saved, not only in just your average speaking situation with somebody, but how it affects your business, how it affects your world. Did you do Toastmasters by chance? Still am. Okay. I'm still in my Toastmasters. I've been in there for six years now. Yeah. And did you find that that improved, that helped you improve dramatically? Absolutely. That's what led me to where I am now. I already had a lot of the speaking stuff coming in, but this really turned me into some other things. And I discovered that I can combine everything I've done in my past in the world of television along with speaking, and I can make this amalgam that I've got now. It's interesting. I, earlier this year, took an improv class, right? And I took the improv class under the assumption that it would help me get better at sales because I would be better on my, better. I would think faster on my feet and I would have, you know, better speaking skills. And what it actually did was made me better at interviewing and podcasting because it changed the way I listen. And so I'm, I'm a much better listener and I'm listening to understand and to, and I think through what is the most important question that I could ask now based on all the information that just came to me. I don't know that it did anything for my speaking skills, but it did, it changed my, it changed my interviewing skills. And I don't think it helped me in sales at all. In fact, Corey would probably say it did not help me. We did not see an uptick in sales. (laughs) (laughs) True. That's true. What, what though, when it comes to, to meetings? So one of the other things we were talking about was our uh, uh, pet peeves when it comes to meetings and wasting time. And you talked about 
that cutting out the killer words is a great way to help save some time. So what are your, some of some of your pet peeves that you try and work with people on when it comes to meetings? When it comes to meetings, the biggest pet peeve I have short of the, you get into the filler killer words. That's just, that's the tip of the iceberg. Everything else below the surface you need to get to. But one of my biggest ones is the low hanging fruit that everybody does of taking some sort of a slide deck and putting it up there and stand there for an hour and read you everything that's up here on this screen. (laughs) That makes me just want to get up and slap people across the head. Because I had a lady one time that I talked to, she's a friend of mine, and she works at a school system. She had to go like two hours away to some seminar. She had to give up a day of work. She gets there, and the speaker that they have hired, hired, mind you, keyword, this person's making money, stood up there and started reading a PowerPoint. At the first break, she went to the organizer and she said, I know how to read. Send me the PDF. And she left because it was so annoying. And the problem is so many people don't realize how bad they are at it. And you know you're bad at it because think of all the bad ones you've sat through. So why turn around and do it to somebody else? It's not to say you can't use it, but it's got so much more in the medium that you can use besides that, particularly pictures and telling stories, man. Tell stories. That's what connects to people. And get off this thing here. That's my biggest pet peeve is getting off that slide deck. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I ha- I had an epiphany this morning. and But but before I say that, I, Corey, I know you have something to say there. I don't well, want to tra- well, r- trample over it. Well, yeah, I, whatever. we can. I'll go after you. Go right ahead. Thanks. I was just going to say what I learned this morning that I did not know, or maybe I knew and really hadn't, it hadn't been verbalized to me before, but I was listening to a podcast this morning and um, the... Um, one of the guests, I think the guest on the podcast was telling a story, um, right? And when she told the story, she brought the host of the podcast into the story. And it was sort of like this, hey, if you were making us a meal and she's asking him these questions and she's just sort of building this big visualization of what's happening. And mm-hmm. it was so lifelike, right? Listening to her walk him through it and you could see it yourself. When he got, when when they were done with that, particular story where she was really getting to the point of you know this was about I, I, it's not important what it was about but when she got to the point he said I really appreciate the fact that you brought me into that story for our listeners because you just made the point so much more valuable and I had never really thought about that and I started thinking about the really great storytellers that we've had on our podcast and how well they're able to do that and how important that is Oh, it absolutely, it's crucial. One of the things I talked about in my TED talk was, imagine you've got that kid that, you know, he's going to bed, he's got his pajamas on, man, he's got his teeth brushed, he's ready to climb in, you pull the book off the shelf and you go, hey, that's a cool book, look at that. Look at that cover, look at that seam. You talk about the artwork, you talk about the Helvetica type that's in there, you talk about everything, but you never read the kid the story. You just lost your audience of one. And that happens so much in your business as well, because you're so busy with pie charts and you're so busy with graphs and you're not busy connecting to other people. And you will remember stories. Think about this. If you want to know how powerful stories are, you watch TV, you watch movies, you listen to songs, you read books. Without story, you have none of those. That's how crucial it is to your business to tell a story because that connects to people far more and they're going to remember it far more than anything else you can do with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was uh, 
in grad school, one of the things that they taught us when it came to presentations like that is you, because you want to have all that information for people, but you want them to pay attention to you. So the idea is that you have what they call the walking deck and then the talking deck. So you have the talking deck is the one that you do when you're presenting. And so you can field questions and tell stories and kind of get off track. But then the walking deck is the one that you give out. That's got all the information filled in so that people absolutely. Are... Absolutely. Go ahead. I didn't mean. To oh, no, that, that's fine. But I, yeah, I just wanted to change my, my pet peeve is when people read PowerPoint presentations, that's my biggest one. Oh, is that your that's new one? Yeah. <laughs> I never heard, I've never heard it called a walking and talking deck. That is an absolutely great thing to say because it's true. You do want the attention on you because you're the one providing the information and you want to connect with them. And that's not going to do it up here. Although imagine it this way. Imagine you're telling a story and you have a single image on that screen that is so powerful that it connects greatly to it. I've got one story that I did years ago. You know, if you want me to tell it, I will. That's fine, but it takes a few seconds to tell. But it's the single most powerful shot I've ever shot in my career working in television. Yes, tell and us. And it, it's so strong of an image. Would you like me to tell that story? Yes, we would love that. It's it's a tragic, absolutely horrible, horrible, tragic story. There was a man who was separated from his wife. They had been apart for guests for a while, and she even had a protective order against him. He managed to talk her into getting into the car with him, along with their two children under the age of five. Takes them to a remote park, part of the city they're in. Parks the car, pulls out a gun, shoots and kills her. Turns around, shoots and kills both kids in the back seat, then kills himself. My job was to go shoot the vehicle this happened in. So the state police officer told me, he said, get as close as you want, Lewis, but don't touch the car. Now, I don't have to sit here and describe for you what I'm seeing in that window because your brain's already doing it. The work is happening in your head. But let me tell you the single thing that I got. In the middle of the seats in the back where these two kids had been sitting, there was a baby doll. Her hair and her dress were caked with blood. That image was to me the most heartbreaking image I shot of everything in that car because that told the story in that image alone. So I put it into the newscast, five o'clock. I'm in there editing the six o'clock and my news director comes in and goes, Lou, you gotta take that shot out. I said, why? That shot says everything about this story and how heartbreaking it is that you need to see. He said, I understand and I agree with you, but the phones are lighting up. Mind you, the phones were not lighting up for the blood in the car. The phones were not lighting up for the bullet holes in the back seat where the bullets went through the kids. That's not what got them. What got them? That doll. Now, I'm not recommending you have something like that on your screen. But my point being, pictures are worth a thousand words. Literally, they are. And you can do that rather than put up a bunch of graphics and things and grab people to go along with your story. Even if it's something that's funny, let the picture help you tell that rather than you sit here and try to do it and read it. Well, now you've just depressed all of our listeners. And I'm going to blame you. I know, for that. man. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I told you it's a bad story. But, it, you know, it's just one of those things that it just makes a point that you can have an image. And think about history. Think about all the images, whether they're fun images, whether they're serious images. All of history is imagery. Think of the iconic pictures that you've seen. You can't picture, for example, to bring it up a little higher, picture Lucy, that one shot of her on that candy line. From the classic episode. I knew that's where you were going. Yeah. You know, you see, exactly. You see what I mean? You see that image and you start laughing. 
you know instantly what that's about. You don't have to see the whole episode to know. Your memory will just pop right in. If you put that up for the right audience, they're going to go right on, on that journey with you. And that's the thing. You want to take them on that journey. And this is just a tool to do it with. That's great. That's really good. I'm still I'm still shook over the image, but I'm gonna get I'm gonna get past it. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna title this podcast Captain Bring Down. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, title it the trigger warning. So sorry guys, but I had to share that with you because it's a very powerful image. Yeah, that's and and that's such a good that that really emphasizes the point though of you don't need you know all of these words on your PowerPoint presentation. You what you need is to be able to, you know get your point across through story. And we always say, and I mean, this is, it's not our quote, but you know, facts tell and stories sell, right? So Mm -hmm. when you tell, when you connect to people through story, they want, they want to know more. They want to hear more. They want to learn. They feel like they're a part of it. And that's just so important. And honestly, I, I think probably 95, maybe higher percent of all meetings are just completely useless. And the person who's running them has no idea what they're doing. Yeah. Here's the way I look at that one too, and I've said this before. To me, you have these these attacks t- out there. People do say, "Hey, have a two pizza meeting. Have everybody stand in the meeting, and make sure you invite only the people who need to be there." Well, duh. Let's make sure that we don't have somebody in there who shouldn't be in the first place. <laughs> but let's say you do all that. Now you have a pizza meeting. People are eating pizza. They're all standing. They're getting ticked off because they're standing. And guess what? The meeting still gets you nothing because the person up front has not been trained and how mm-hmm. to do this and connect with their audience. To me, these other modes of attacking that is like being on the Titanic on the upper deck with a bucket instead of going downstairs and patching the hole. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and that telling the story thing, I, it's, I don't think it's mm-hmm. something that people think about because if, if you've got to talk about sales for this quarter, all you, you obviously you want to get the points across, the, the information that needs to the, the point of the meeting, but telling that story to keep people captivated so that they're actually paying attention to you. Especially nowadays with everything being on zoom, 90% of the people aren't paying attention to what's actually being said. They're on their phone. They're looking at, you know, shopping on Amazon, whatever it is, instead of actually paying attention to the meeting. Cause it's easy to, right. to, to lose your attention. And you have to bring, you have to drop people in. Right. So I, my pet peeve for a meeting is when the leader spends almost the entire time talking and never engages with anyone else. Like, well then just send me a fucking email with all the information in it. I can read it. Right. I don't need to come sit on a zoom meeting or in a conference room to be read to or talk to like, just like engage. You've got all these people in there, like leverage that to, to make that meeting even better and to draw people in and have them feel like they're a part of it versus just like an observer of what's happening and they have no say in what's about to happen. Now I'm getting no, all and hot the thing about it, passionate. They're not, they're not trained. A lot of them are not trained to do that. They are trained in presenting well, making sure they speak well, but they're not trained in how to connect. And then passing it off to other people. This is another thing that I've been looking at. The C-suite and your middle managers are the ones who normally get any sort of training on that, but not your entire team. Now think about it this way. Let's say you've got a wallflower. Somebody who comes to every meeting, maybe one of the most brilliant people you've got in your company but they don't interact because you've not engaged them. You've not taught them how imagine the ideas you're missing out on because they don't feel comfortable presenting. Are you guys part of clubhouse? Are you on that at all? Yeah. Okay. You've been in rooms in clubhouse. How many times have you seen people come up on the stage in clubhouse, or maybe you've had them as guests who are like scared to death to even come up and ask a question. Mm -hmm. 
all the time. Think about that. And I'm in a group where the entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, people who are trying to start a business or already have a business are afraid to come up on an audio only program and ask a question. That just speaks volumes to me that there's a lot of people out there who need to work on these skills and, and know that there's a way to learn and get these skills. Because if you can't come up and ask a question, how the hell are you going to run a business and talk to people about it? Well, but I, so I have a question for you. I'm going to throw that back on you a little bit. Yep. Do you think that, um, so, so definitely there's a, so if I'm afraid to come up on stage and ask a question that, that says mm -hmm. something about me, but I also think it says something about the moderators who are running the room. Right. And, and I'm not talking like, you know, everybody should feel safe to say something, but let, let, let's be honest. There are some real jerks running rooms oh, on clubhouse who like they, they can't, they lay in wait for somebody to ask a dumb question so that they can absolutely terrorize them. And I hate there's people out there like that because the room, I stick to one room primarily. I got on that room and it's where I've been. I've been to a couple of others, but the few that I have been in, fortunately, I've not run into that. And to me, if I ran into that room, I wouldn't go back in again. Yeah. But overall, I think it's more of an issue of people's just their own lack of confidence in it and getting nervous. Man, there's nothing I can do to keep you from being nervous except tell you drink some wine beforehand. That's all I can really <laughs> tell you, man. Yeah. Because you're going to be nervous. I, I get nervous still when I go and do some things sometimes, but I'm still able to do it. What I'm talking about, though, is, is not the, being attacked and laying for weight for your trolls and all of that. But I'm talking about the people who, if you paid attention to them and you helped them learn how to communicate with you, man, the stuff you could get from them, the, the way that they could do more and do better if they could just pick up a little bit of the skill along the way. I agree 100%. And we, this has been such a really fun conversation. We need to wrap up before we do. Um, I have two final questions for you. Do you have any? So the, the first thing I know is, and you're probably going to talk about this um, when you tell our listeners how they can find you, but I know you've got a course that um, looks really interesting. You want to take a couple of minutes to, or a couple seconds to tell our listeners about um, your course? Sure, absolutely. Thank you for that. The course lays out everything you need on a more advanced level, talks about how to be a better speaker, how to be a better presenter, how to deal with the media, not just in terms of crisis management. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how to write a news release, how to cultivate them, how to become a media darling, what ad value equivalency is, meaning basically using the media as a PR tool, all these different things. Plus, I teach you how to speak in sound bites, how to be able to be live. So that applies not for just being on television like I did this morning, but if you're going to be live on Facebook, you're doing a webinar, there's so many different platforms out there now that people are doing that. This helps and then I also talk about the virtual. All of this is broken out into five hours worth of stuff. And each one of those segments is just over five minutes averaging in length. So it's e easy to be done digestibly instead of having to sit down and watch something for half an hour at any one time. I love that. And I'm pretty sure Corey's going to encourage me to buy it just by the fact that you said learn to speak in sound bites. <laughs> uh, the second question that I want to ask you, Lewis, is um, what can we do to help you? How can we help get the word out about you beyond having you on our podcast? You've been such a pleasure and we want to make sure that everybody gets to know that you exist and that you've got this really great website and this course out there. 
I really appreciate that. Doing this is enough for me, guys. I mean, coming allowing me to take time of yours and be a part of your world. I thank you very much for that because it gives me a chance to get my word out there and let people know. But hey, beyond that, if you run into anybody as you have podcast guests on and they go, I bet you and they can't talk, <laughs> let them know. Hey, you know, we had this guy on. You should go back and listen to that podcast and check him out. That'd be great. But otherwise, guys, that's about it. I just appreciate you all giving me the time to come and talk to you all. You all have been fun. Yeah, appreciate it. And we, uh, we thank you for coming on and thanks to our listeners. And everything that you're going to need to know about Lewis will be in our show notes. And if you want to work with us, reach out to us. We are happy to have you on as a guest or whatever. <laughs> yes, you can connect with us on social media. We are on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, the Facebook, and we have a YouTube channel. You can also reach out to us on our website, sbpace.com. Don't forget to download and rate our podcast. We just found out those are the two top ways to get uh, a higher ranking. So yes. download our podcast, rate it, like us and give us a review, and then reach out to us if you have any topics that you'd like us to cover. We've got a forum on our website, so head on over there and let us know. Hey, we wrote a book. It's called Seriously? Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. It is a number one Amazon bestseller. It comes with a digital download workbook. And we would love it if you've already bought the book. Head on back to Amazon and rate and review it. That's it for today. Thanks again, Lewis. I'm Corey. I'm Julie. And this was BizQuick, helping small businesses across America.